welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things art-related. This is episode 103, Filming Things. Well, this first part's being recorded on July 14th, 2020, and my name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hey, Julie. So that was a confusing intro, but we are going to talk about a bunch of things in this podcast, and so we're recording the first part uh, today, July 14th. Well, and because I haven't seen you because you've put yourself in quarantine after returning from the first trip, <laughs> and I, will I feel say, like seeing you... That was not for effect. I do have a cough. I hope it's not COVID. Another reason I'm in quarantine. But anyway, go ahead. Seeing me on Skype I'm is, is enough... God. Yes, it's so exciting. <laughs> I'm glad. I will say that all the virtual thing, like when I, so the first part of this is really about, I went to New Jersey um, to film some stuff for brother. And I will say like being able to FaceTime with the baby and actually see him and have him see me, like all that technology really does make such a difference. Because I remember when I was a little kid and dad would travel and he would call in, it's not quite the same even to hear your father's voice. And certainly at the baby's age, there's no way that he would have been able to just like, you know, talk to me on the phone the way that he can smile and giggle at me when I'm on, you know, Skype or FaceTime. Okay, so let's do this a little bit chronologically because when you first knew you had to go to New Jersey to film these videos, there was a whole lot of thinking and planning that went into it. So why don't you talk about that process? Okay, I mean, so there's there's two things going on here, which is and I think we need to separate them. So the first is that what this is, is Brother has a convention every year called Back to Business, which is for their dealers, where they reveal new products and the dealers take classes. So they basically get a hands-on experience with all the new machines, you know, in order to understand how they work and be able to, like, you things you can't get from sitting and watching a presentation, but you understand from actually doing it what is special and unique, et cetera, about the new um, products. And obviously because of the pandemic, that couldn't happen. So they, uh, brother decided to go to a virtual convention. Um, and so the two things which I'm trying to separate are A, preparing a class for new product that will teach people something, you know, is a very particular kind of skill and also doing it for video as opposed to in person is a very particular thing. And then on the other hand, uh, the preparing to travel, you know, in the time of COVID is scary. And also to film, that means no mask, it means makeup, it means in a closed studio, it means, you know, all kinds of things that are a little bit frightening, frankly. So, um, why don't well, we have, even yeah. and and getting there and staying in a hotel. So yes. why don't you talk about all the ways you got yourself ready and the precautions that they were taking? So I will say that one of the things that's very nice, I mean, Brother's a huge company, and one of the things that's nice about that is they have a risk management team like any large corporation does. So their risk management team did basically all the due diligence, which made me feel very comfortable in terms of like what is the studio's hvac system what are the you know procedures that they're taking and that this place it was temperature at the door gloves and masks you know are both required and available to you should you not have them you know no usually when you do filming there's a lot of like open food around no open food everything's box lunch box breakfast you know etc um everybody you know in masks the whole time each of the rooms in the studio, because there are several like outer green rooms, are labeled with how many people can be in them based on the square footage at one time. So like this room can only have two people at a time. This room can have six people. This So you know, you know, if you're over the limit, if you're under the limit. Um, they had a tent set up outside for eating so that when you have to take off your mask, you're at least outside under this tent because it was burning hot you know with these tables and chairs and stuff outside and I just in general you know I ended up deciding to do my own makeup because I did not want to even though the makeup artist was gloved and masked and going to be like 
disinfecting things between people. I just felt like that's my eyes, my skin, my face. It just felt like I would be better off doing it myself. So I did it myself. Um, which, you know, it's so hard to know what the risk is. Like, is there's one bathroom, do you know what I mean, for the studio. So we're all using the same bathroom, and I assume most people you know, are barehanded, washing their hands at the sink, potentially take their mask off in the bathroom. Like, are you at risk sharing that? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, so that was that was sort of all the studio considerations. And certainly, uh, you know, being the person taking my mask off um, felt a little scary. It was a little like being naked. You're in a room full of people, a closed room full of people, and you're, you know, maskless. Um, and then, of course, the I cannot drive for a long time without stopping to use the restroom. So I had to stop at two, you know, on the way there and on the way back, I had to stop at different, um, you know, bathrooms, rest stop bathrooms. And that was creepy and scary. And at one point I got upset because I'm in this huge restroom on the Mass Pike. There must be 12 stalls on each side, four rows right? So that's an incredible amount of stalls. I purposely go in one of the farthest away stalls. There is no one around in any of like the 24 stalls that are near me, okay? All of a sudden, as soon as I sit down, I hear footsteps and someone comes and sits in the stall right next to me. And I was like, are you kidding me? You couldn't have done one stall away. It was just so weird. I you just know, don't understand the psychology of that. Sometimes in a movie theater, someone will come in and there's the whole empty movie theater and they have to sit in front of you. So Who knows? weird. I was just like, why, why would you want to sit right next to somebody, crazy person? Anyway, but then what? one of the things I did notice is, is, you know, so when you're washing your hands at the rest stop, they have these X's over every other sink, I guess, for you to understand that you're supposed to use every other sink. And it is the, I would, I swear to God, normally you see people wash their hands, but they're kind of like, nink, 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 done. This was like people were scrubbing in for surgery at these sinks. It was a long time, which was really, it was kind of interesting. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, and then gassing up was a whole interesting thing because obviously you're touching a pump that other people have touched and the buttons and then, you know, so I have the Purell in the car, plus I've got sanitizing wipes to, you know, wipe everything down. I mean, I don't want to feel like a crazy person, but you also don't want to be in a bad situation. I will tell you that when I got out to pump my own gas, I was the only person at the pumps wearing a mask, which also made me feel kind of like WTF, you know. Um, and then in the hotel room, I have never even thought about surfaces in a hotel room the way that I did with this. I went in with my, you know, my container of antibacterial wipes. And I mean, things that I bet have never been cleaned in that room from the, you know, window shade pull to every light switch, the towel bars, the headboard, the light switches, the outside of the door, the inside of the door, the people every surface every you know the closet rod the mirror like I mean anything I thought I might touch and then I brought my own pillowcases and I brought my own blanket so that I was able to just remove the blanket from the bed because you know they don't launder that ever and the pillowcases was really because I read this article that people drool into the pillows and so there's stuff in the pillows. So I just put my own pillowcases over the existing clean, I hope, pillowcases, you know, and then you put the do not disturb sign on the door, which of course you sanitize. Um, the most fun part of the hotel though was that there was no elevator, which I didn't know. And they put me in a third floor room and I had all this luggage because I had everything for the shoot, uh, you know, my, my technology bag, meaning like my computer, my iPad, like all that stuff. Plus I had brought a cooler so that I wouldn't have to eat out. Right. So I just had like some yogurt and fruit and stuff in there because I was just going to, that was going to be super easy. I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and be totally fine for the three days that I was away. Um, but so that was like ridiculous in the sweating. It was both raining and hot 
and humans. So you can imagine me huffing and puffing in this mask up and down these stairs like a million times carrying all these ridiculous things while, you know, trying to avoid other humans. It was just, it was epically fun, let me tell you. So that's, that is the super fun of traveling plus all like the inner panic of stuff plus, 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 right? And then also trying to like not be a hysterical person. Then the scariest thing of all, I have to say, I think was I met a friend and a colleague who lives in New Jersey for dinner. And we, she suggested that there was a restaurant that had outdoor seating and a parking lot and we could go. And so I was like, I don't know, there's like other people, but we were like, okay, fine. So we went and we sat at the farthest table away from everybody that we could human, you know, humanly find at the farthest corner, way out in this parking lot, which is also a surreal and weird experience. And then we sat there as far apart from each other as we could get, wearing our masks and talking. And then we finally had to take off the mask to eat, but that which was also weird. And it was the first time that she had left her house. She hadn't even been to the grocery store the entire pandemic. So she was very nervous, which then made me very nervous. So then we were two hysterically nervous people. I mean, like, what is pleasurable (laughs) about, you know, a meal like that? So I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, I do wonder when this pandemic is over, like what the psychology is going to be in terms of people finally emerging from their homes and from their masks and from their cocoons and like yes i know nobody's going to be rushing towards eating cake that somebody's blown out the candles on and you know so many of those other things we used to do like you know double dipping is not even going to be the least of the problem Buffet, like are you buffets right, are dead, buffets are are dead. dead. i worry about dim sum you know like there's so many things like that so anyway i i I actually think in some ways this relates out to art. I mean, I honestly like everything in life relates to art, doesn't it? But part of it is is just this idea of fear and how fear can be paralyzing and really change, you know, how you feel about things that have sort of never been scary before and just change your perspective on sort of everything. And so it's almost like it's almost like when a golfer gets the yips or a baseball player gets the yips, you know, and like they've always been able to swing. They've always been able to do it, but then suddenly they can't. And I, I feel like sometimes I get into a, uh, uh, a rut, I guess, when I'm creating where like nothing's turning out the way I want. And it could be a rut that's a day. It could be a rut that's a long, much longer time than that, that. And it's like you get the yips, essentially. You start to have fear, and then you start to have this fear that the next time you sit down, it's still going to be crappy, and you're never going to be able to do it. And then it becomes like diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. And I think that's one of the reasons that I jump around so much to different art forms is because it's like if I get the yips in painting, then let's just move on to embroidery for a while until they're gone. But you can't really do that with coronavirus. You can't really move on to, like, let's live a different life. Who knows? Let's move on to the bubonic plague. Exactly. Uh, actually, your brother and I had a conversation yesterday about whether we actually missed eating in a restaurant or not and whether we would rush to go back. And, you know, we neither of us really miss it that much. I take miss... Out, Takeout does solve a lot of what restaurants yeah. were, which is you not having to cook. Right. Uh, so we'll see how quickly I go back. Um, So let's, you made it home safely. I made it home Uh, safely, (laughs) assuming this cough is nothing. Um, But I do want to talk very briefly just about the creating the class part, because I think that's interesting. And that's something I often have to do. So let's talk about in general, when you get a new product and you need to create a class about it. I think one of the things that people miss the mark on or let me t- put a different spin on it and say one of the things that, uh, if I may brag about it, say one of the things that I'm very good at, the reason I think I have a career and people hire me, um, is because, and actually having, being in the midst of preparing for Make It Artsy, this is very relevant, which is when you have a product, you need to figure out what is so unique and different and special about that product 
And that has to be what the entire project gets based around. You can't think about like, oh, this would be fun to make and then make that because it doesn't necessarily show off the product enough. And this has to be about showing off the product. So uh, for the example that I'll give is, um, so there is a, uh, well, we won't publish this podcast until it's public. So there is a new blade. It's a vinyl blade that is used. It's sharper than the normal blade on the scan and cut, and it is used for cutting super detailed designs, right? So if I cut a, you know, triangle out of vinyl, like that's not that really showing it off. Like, does it use the vinyl blade? Yes. But does it use the vinyl blade the way that it's meant, that it makes it special? No. So I knew that in order to show off the vinyl blade, I had to do something with vinyl that was deeply and incredibly like special and intricate, you know, and then uh, this is actually multiple products. So then there's new cork fabrics that Brother is coming out with. So I know I also had to use the cork fabric and there's a new fabric mat. So I know I had to use the fabric mat. And so now you start to say, well, how am I going to incorporate all these things together into a project? So that's always for me um, the hardest part of creating a project, a class, a tutorial or whatever is the intellectual act of figuring out how the pieces go together, how to best show things off. And that actually, to me, I think most of the time takes the longest. That can, That's what I lay in bed at night thinking about as I fall asleep because I'm trying to work out how the puzzle pieces come together. And actually, um, Steve and I started watching the movie Rocket Man, and we now watch movies in pieces. If it's a three-hour movie, it takes us three nights, sometimes a week. <laughs> But what I was going to say is, so one of the things that's so interesting is Elton John looks at lyrics and he, it's like a puzzle where then he just fits the music to it. Like he hears the music in his head and he's like trying to sort of work out how the music works with the lyrics. And I don't get that because I'm not musical, but I do get that in terms of, I just lay there thinking about how do these pieces work together, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the first part is just coming up with what is a project that's going to show this off. Then there's a million limitations. This class has to be an hour and 20 minutes long, period. When I teach this class in, in person, usually at the convention, that hour and 20 minutes has to include the, you know, or, you know, has to include the entire working time. Plus, I usually have to give a demonstration on some of the new products you know, uh, maybe like if the machine is doing an 11 minute cut file, then I'm demoing something while that 11 minutes is going. I also have to keep in mind that if I can do something in 20 minutes, then usually it will take people who've never seen a scan and cut an hour to do it. So it's like juggling all these factors to kind of guesstimate what the time is, what the cut time is on stuff, how to get the stuff together, not to mention like all the sourcing materials. And then so for putting together the video, that was really interesting because it's not just about teaching the class the way that it would be like from start to finish an hour and 20, but it's really thinking about like, what's the best way to film it? If you've ever filmed a YouTube video or anything like that, it doesn't always work to do the project from start to finish. Sometimes the best way to do it is you have to do the project a couple times or in a couple ways so that you are only changing the shot for different things in different places. So that was also interesting because um, I had to work out the storyboard for how to shoot it myself for this one, which was not onerous because obviously I do that all the time for YouTube and stuff. Um, But it was interesting because when I got to the studio, the director was clearly expecting it to be like, I think for for him to be the leader. And by the end of the, the day, he kept saying, okay, I will follow you, self-directed Julie, go. And so that felt really good because that made me feel like I knew what I was doing and that I was able to both bring the content and the... Um, parameters is the wrong word structure maybe to um to what was happening and that is a very 
that's just a very accomplished, nice, happy feeling to feel like you're able to bring something to the table, something extra, you know, not only the knowledge of the craft stuff, but also the knowledge now that I have of the filming stuff. Um, so I, I was, I was pleased with myself if I don't say so myself. And if I'm not going to say so, who is, because Lord knows my mother will always criticize me. <laughs> Managed to get a slam in at me at the same time as you were praising yourself. Well done. I'm so I have talented, you well I'm so talented. It's amazing. All right. So now you're getting ready to go to Ohio, a longer trip and requiring <laughs> an airplane ride. Yes. To film Make It Artsy. So usually... You have a lot more guests than you're going to have this time because some of them didn't feel like traveling and stuff with the COVID. Right. And then you are a bit nervous about the plane. So you want to talk a little bit about the preparations and then we'll tape the rest of this podcast once you've come back. So again, this, this splits into two threads, which is one is preparing for the show, which is a whole hullabaloo, and two is like all the COVID stuff. So again, like with Kathy, who's the producer, I've, you know, talked to her and she's, you know, she's clear on all the things that she has to do and there's masks and there's, you know, gloves and there's hand sanitizer and everything's getting cleaned and, you know, instead of being next to each other, the guests and I are at different ends of the table and, you know, the crew is six feet away and everybody's, you know, got to have their temperature taken and, you know, the makeup person's wearing gloves and a shield and da 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 but I said to her I still want to do my own makeup you know um and I think uh all of that will be fine the airplane ride is freaking me out a little but there's nothing I can do about it and in the end we I did originally talk about driving to Ohio but it would have been like a 10 to 12 hour drive um including stops and the issue is then I probably would have had to stay overnight because I don't know that I would want to do that drive by myself in one day. So then if I'm already staying overnight, plus I have to stop at rest stops, plus I have to eat, plus, 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 it was like, is that exposure not greater than an airplane yes. ride that's two and a half hours plus a rental car? Because time is a player in exposure. It's not yes. just being exposed it's being exposed over time right so i think the rental car you know i mean i have my wipes again i have my purell again and i will just have to, i have booked a aisle seat in the first row so that is supposed to be one of the safest I, seats no not an aisle seat i mean sorry I a window seat, window in the, seat on the first right. in the first row so that's supposed to be one of the safest seats so we'll see i paid extra money for it so i hope that it is um, I, you know, will wipe down everything. I've got my mask. I'll keep washing my hands. I won't touch my face. I, you know, have my plan for that. Like, usually I do a craft project or something on board. I am not doing that. I will either listen to a podcast on my headphones or I will read my Kindle. But those are all things that basically I can put in my pocket so that I will be very easy and I don't have to like mess with anything or touch anything or, you know, uh, and then I will wipe down the entirety of the rental car and then I will wipe down the entirety of the hotel room. I already have, a, I asked for a hotel room, um, that had a kitchen so that I can get off the plane, get it, take the shuttle, which will be also another wiping down fun situation to the rental car location, then take my rental car, then go to the supermarket and buy a couple things again, like some fruit, some yogurt, some cereal, something simple. And that is just what I will eat for five days in my room with not having to go out and deal with anything. And then, you know, back and forth to the studio. And you're shipping, you're shipping your I shipped my big supplies. bag of supplies so that I don't, usually I have to wrestle three suitcases plus a purse when I get there. But I just thought, I don't want to deal with that. And I want, you know what I mean? I just want to have to deal with two suitcases. Um, that's more than enough suitcases for a person, isn't it? Um, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. I've just decided that because if I don't think it'll be fine, why am I going? So I think it'll be fine. Right. Um, and then the 
other side, the art side, which I think is more interesting, is that uh, each, so I have, I have 26, I have 26 projects all together, 13 long format segments that are about 10 minutes each and 13 short, like one to two minute segments. That's a lot. That's a lot. Normally I might have 10 and they're usually like five, eight minute segments and maybe three to five, like three to four minute segments. So there, there, this is a lot more work because there are fewer guests. So, um, each segment, I basically have to sit down and do the process that I did, uh, with the scan and cut stuff where I sit down, I think about, you know, the product that is being featured in the segment and what's interesting about it. Also each, um, episode is themed and this, uh, the theme of this season is like seeing, seeing things with new eyes. So it's like your daily schedule. How can you see your daily schedule with new eyes? Well, so the project that I ended up coming up with is doing this accordion book that's like a, a, that's basically an illustrated version of a day in your life, which is a fun project, you know? And so it's, uh, but so for each of those projects, what you need to do is you need to do the finished project, then you need to do any step outs, which are um, in TV, you know, we jump from maybe something took me half an hour or an hour or two hours to do and I need to or even if it took me 10 minutes I don't have the time to do it in the segment so I have to jump to the next part so I have to have made the project a second time and oftentimes made it a third time a fourth time a fifth time so I got slowed down at the beginning because I started with the sewing projects and this is actually something that I've learned over time I used to start with the easy projects and you'd feel very accomplished because you feel like, oh, I only have like three projects left, but then they'd be beastie projects and they would take you days to do and you'd be real tight against the deadline and hysterical. So now I start with the beastie projects and I'm always like depressed and feeling like I'm never going to make it to my deadline. And then the good news is I've left all the easies till the end and I suddenly find that I can whip through five projects in you know, a day or two, which always feels great. So that's what I did this time around. I started with, and the reason that sewing projects are beasties is just because, um, imagine the difference between how long it takes to do an art journal page and how long it takes to make a quilt. Now think about having to do step outs for an art journal page versus a quilt. Like it's just, it's the, it's by a factor of 90, the amount of time that it takes. So, um, it's funny because when you take a standardized test, they always teach you to do the easy questions first and then go to the hard ones. And I think like that's the way I always started partially because that was what I had always learned in school. But mm-hmm. I, I have found that for my own uh, time management issues within the constraints of this kind of creativity, I need to do those beasties first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to just break the back of it and get because if it's like running a race where if you run the last mile twice as fast as the first mile you feel great about it if you run the last mile four times slower and come dragging across the finish line you don't feel great even though you finished so for me that is what works i'm not sure it works for everyone but then one of the bigger issues is i've also learned that a huge problem happens when you get to the studio And for most people arriving at the studio, they think, oh, I have all my stuff and I'm here. If you are not organized, it can take you hours to sort out your bag and what supplies go with what and where the step outs are for this and which project. So I have developed a system of bags over the years, which is why my luggage is always twice as small going back as it was going out because the bags take up unnecessary amount of room. Because essentially what happens is I take a piece of paper and I write the title of the project on the front. Then I write all the steps that it takes. Then I write out what the supplies are <coughs> that I need to finish the project, to complete the project. And then I take a highlighter and I highlight the items that are shared, like maybe eight projects use a ruler or six projects use scissors. And those are not in the bag. So I need to know that those are in my shared supplies section. Then there's a bunch of supplies that are at the studio. Like I don't travel with an iron and an ironing board. They have that at the studio. So then those get highlighted in a different color. And then I need to check off when I put the rest of the stuff in the bag, including step outs and like the special pen you need for this and the special paint you need for that and whatever. Then 
everything goes in the bag. The bag gets closed and it goes into the big bag. And so by the end of, how long have I been working on this? Three, four weeks? I have a big calendar page that said exactly every how many projects I had to get done per day to get done in time. And I think it's been like the last four weeks that I've been working on it. And so over the last four weeks, I've just kept adding bags to the big bag. <laughs> and last night I was counting, <clears throat> do I have 13? And I was missing one. And I was hysterical. <laughs> and I kept being like, which one am I missing? But then I found it um, on a different table. But that's one of the reasons, like, you double check, you double count. Things can get lost. This is the first time of me doing this prep in this much bigger space than I'm used to having. So things do get, like, put aside and left on a table and stuff like that. Um, but, like, I need that system of lists and checks and highlighting. And it seems very complicated. But then what happens is I get to the studio and all I have to do to be ready for the segment is take the bag out of the suitcase and look at the highlighted items and grab the highlighted items. And that is ready to go. And that is so much easier than any other method I've ever tried. So it's like more pain up front for less pain in the moment. The worst part is when you're exhausted after filming, because it's actually really exhausting to be like that pepped up and all that stuff in front of the camera and to be performing all day, you have to pack. That's my least favorite. <laughs> as my least favorite I wish it would just all go away but no so I try to um it's kind of like cooking where if you wash the dishes as you go as opposed to waiting until you have this ridiculous sink full of dishes it actually is easier so it's like you know while something's in the mixer you take those 10 minutes to clean something else you know so I do try between things to clean up um, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do it this time because I probably want to spend more time outside and away from other people. So I've debated. Well, and the other, the other thing is you have fewer guests, so there's less yes. downtime for you while That's the guest true. is doing a segment. So I've also debated some stuff like, should I keep my bag in my car or my rental car? So that basically I take my stuff that needs to be packed out to the car and I'm doing it outside instead of inside. Well, that only works as long as it doesn't rain or it's not like, because the other thing is when you're in hair and makeup, if you get super sweaty, like that's not a great sitch either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all complicated. We'll see how it goes. I feel um, I have the mini segments still left to do, and I've got like four days left to do it. So I'm going to work on those 13. But my big bag got shipped out. Uh, I went to the UPS store today. So, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. This is how it all works. Well, I wish you good luck. I won't get Thank to you. see you when you come back because then you have to do another days 14 days. Quarantine. Yes. So I'll see I you believe in that in August, August yes. 8th, it's on my calendar, but we can talk. <laughs> it's true. We can talk. We can wave from afar and I will see you in August and hopefully my cough okay. will be gone by then. <clears throat> okay. We'll be Excellent. back with the second half of this later. So this is the second part of our podcast recorded on July 26th. Hey mom. Hey Julie. I have to cough. And not because I have anything sickness, but I just had a cough at a moment. Anyway, so I'm back. Did you Should miss I me? be shooting off fireworks? I I'm missing like you it. a lot because you're still in quarantine from me. Yes. It's been a long, it's been over a month, I think. It has. You missed July. And we still have another two weeks to go. We do, which just makes the podcast so much more fun. I will say I am feeling... I think I was fine for the first month of the absolute lockdown quarantine from having traveled to New Jersey, but I'm starting to feel the, I'm starting to feel the walls closing in. I mean, not because like anything major has changed, but I just think that's the kind of thing that happens. Maybe it's because the weather's particularly nicer. Maybe it's because I'm starting to feel, um, you know, Henry is so much bigger and... I just feel like he's missing out on stuff. And also now that I know that like my brother and his family are heading out soon, you know, onto their own place. Like it also makes me feel like the loss of his cousin. And I'm like anxious to get the two babies together. I'm just feeling all the feels, mom. I'm feeling all the feels. And yet you just spent five days in Ohio 
in a, you know, with a whole bunch of people right, in but a you know TV what? Maybe, studio. Maybe that's also partially what made it feel even more weird because normally a trip like that would be so social. So normally when I go to film make it artsy, it's super social. There's dinner every night with somebody. In fact, I usually have to make excuses to go back to my room and not have dinner with people because I'm usually tired and stuff and this time it was like even at the studio you know there's not really socialization socializing you don't really want to talk to people you pretty much people say to themselves they leave very quickly you're out in the parking lot and you know we only had I think four guests for the whole season maybe five which is a quarter you know we might have four or five in a day normally let alone for the whole season so it was a little it was a very different trip well, let's talk about it. First, it was your first airplane trip in a long, long time. It was. I got very mad about the um, people who have their nose hanging out of the mask or just take off their mask entirely. Listen, I under, I get it. Masks are horrible to wear. Uh, they're incredibly claustrophobic. I can't tell you the number of times I wanted to just rip mine off of my face. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people were also great about it, I should say. I saw plenty of kids, pregnant women, elderly people, very, you know, overweight people, like all sorts of everybody wearing masks or face shields or some version. And that made me also feel like that there was a, that there was a sense of like people wanting to protect themselves, but also protect other people and caring, which I think is what made it so glaring when there were people who weren't because it was like all these other, it's kind of, it's the poop in your ice cream, which I know I've said before, but it's like, if everybody wears masks, then that's great. But like, if one person doesn't, it seems like it ruins the whole thing because basically it does like that. Scientifically speaking, that one person could be transmitting, even though you're wearing your mask, you know, to everyone else. So anyway, I could go on and on about masks forever, but I'm sure that's not what people are interested in is my diatribe. On yes, you can wear a mask. Doctors have shown that people with all sorts of lung diseases can wear masks. And in fact, one of the things that was really heartening to me is I posted part of the a diatribe on Instagram <clears throat> in my stories, and um, there were a few people who uh, disagreed with me, and that's that's fine. Uh, but an enormous number of people said to me, "Thank you for saying this. I have asthma. I wear a mask. Thank you for saying this. I have CPD. You know." And I wear a mask. Thank you for saying this. I, every time I go out, you know, I have a history of abuse and I feel very claustrophobic in the mask, but I make it work because I know it's important. And so I do it. And like that to me was, it just felt good to know that there are so many people who are struggling with so many things and yet putting on their mask. And I thought that's so brave and wonderful. You know, the other thing I just want to say is thank you because all the masks that I have were sewn by you and every time I put one on I remember that it was sewn by you and I appreciate love. it with great love but you know actually I mean just to extrapolate out to art making which I always think that everything in life is related to art making which would explain my life you know a lot of times when I say to people you know I'm a control freak and I have trouble letting go when I make art they go not you because it just seems like I am so slapdash about it. And I think that's the same thing about like the people who wear masks, even though they have asthma, they have issue, you know, they have maybe some, whatever the issue is, is that you never know what somebody else is going through or how they've gotten to where they've gotten or what their choices are. So it's like the same with art making. Like you look at somebody and you think, oh, it's so easy for them, but it's probably not. You don't know what the struggle is or you look at somebody and you say, oh, they have all the supp art supplies and I'm so jealous. And it's like, but do you know, you know, what they had to do to get those or do you know, you know, the whole story there? So I think it's like everything else. You need to remember that you're on your own journey and you have to do the best within your own journey of art making and sort of meet yourself where you are with what you have, with your skill level, with your personal style, with all that stuff and kind of be okay with being who you are because the more time you spend dwelling on other people, like it really becomes toxic. We're back to the theme, which is always the same, which is stop comparing your life to other people's. Yeah, stop comparing your life, your art, your all those things. I mean, I think it's, I think it's inevitable that is the way that we are hardwired. One of the things that happened at Make It Artsy is we had a new guest and she had watched the previous guest um, 
you know, do her thing. And then she kept saying to me, I feel like this isn't going as well as the other guests did. I feel like I'm not doing as well. I feel like, I feel like we're having more problems with mine than we did with hers. And I just kept being like, listen, stop comparing. Comparison is a thief of joy. Like you are here for different reason, for different purpose. You're a different flavor, you know? And it, it also is, it's like create, Creating a TV show is like cooking a meal, right? If every single uh, if every single ingredient is rigatoni, then you just have a big bowl of rigatoni, right? You need somebody who's <laughs> the sauce. You need somebody who's the cheese. You need somebody who's the spice. You need somebody. So it's like in order to make a great meal, you need all the little bits and pieces and the different flavors and tastes. And I think that the same thing is true. I think when you go to a museum. I, I know there are those vanity museums that it's like, this is the, you know, X art. And I'll even say I went to like the Picasso Museum in uh, Paris. But you know what's interesting? Not just Picasso's work inside there. And in fact, I've been to the Dali Museum, not just Dali's work inside there. Because I think what they realize is even if you're interested in those artists, even if you're a huge fan of Picasso, and I honestly could go to a Picasso museum that's just Picasso's, but besides the point, but there is the need for other voices, you know, there is the need for Uh other, to hear other things. And so I think, again, like, just remember whatever the symphony is of art and art making out there in the world like you have you're a piccolo or a tuba or whatever but you have a part to play uh i don't want to carry a tuba just so you know (laughs) (laughs) when you're picking an instrument you gotta be practical you know (laughs) can i can i carry a tuba no yeah so that seems really hard so uh, I assume you prepared for your plane flight with a million wipes. I did. I did all the usual things. Do you know what I mean? I wiped every surface and I wore my mask and I washed my hands like a crazy person and I used Purell and I didn't touch my face and I blah, 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 blah down the list. And, uh, you know, I think it's like anything else. The more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. But it's also, that is a scary feeling too when it sort of becomes like, oh, it's probably fine, Uh you know? And it's also an interesting thing because the plane actually bothered me less. I will say this. It's the kind of thing where people always say this to you. The public bathroom seat is cleaner than, let's say, the bowling ball holes Uh or even a movie theater seat often. Because they don't clean mm-hmm. those movie theater seats. They clean that toilet multiple times a day. So it's like people mm-hmm. are scared of the toilet seat when what they need to be scared of is the bowling hole, bowling ball holes or the, you know, movie theater seat. And so I think the same thing is true, which is like people are scared of the airplane, which I totally understand, but they've got an insane air circulation thing going on. You know, I was on JetBlue, which did not sell middle seats. And on both flights, I had the entire row of six seats to myself, which was kind of amazing. Um... You know, and it's like what I think people are less scared of and should be more scared of are the casual encounters. Like I read this article that scared the crap out of me, which is basically like this girl went to a party and then she went to see her grandparents. She was asymptomatic at the time, but then she got COVID and basically the gist of it is her grandfather died. And it's those casual encounters. It's the trusted things that I think you have to worry more about in some ways because because you have low vigilance. So actually at the studio, the places I got worried were, here are these people who come to this place to work every single day. So they're not feeling like it's a hostile environment. So they're maybe more casual about what they touch and when they wash their hands or like, you know, they're used to each other being around. And like, you know, my, my feeling is, one of the things about Make It Artsy is that there are a lot of hands touching your stuff. Many hands make for light work. So people are carrying your stuff in and out and people are helping you pack and people are bringing your things around and arranging stuff for camera. And it's like, I was like, I'm either going to be, I think it's like being a parent. I was like, I'm either going to be a hysterical person about this at every single second that anybody says anything, or I'm going to have to relax into it and just remember to wash my hands and clean things after. And that most, most spread does not happen by touching stuff. Right. Cause otherwise I think okay. I would have worked myself into a lather. 
But so I actually felt more worried at the studio than I was at the airport. But I was also spending, okay. you know, almost 12 hours a day in the studio. And I spent, you know, an hour and a half flight plus a little bit at the airport on each end. Okay. So I don't know. I think it's, but so, I think that's the same as, it's the same as like, you know how people get obsessed when they get plastic surgery and it's like they become obsessed with their nose or something and they keep making it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it looks ridiculous and not like a good nose. And then you look back and you're like, wow, you looked great like 18 noses ago, right? And people do that with artwork. I do that with artwork all the time too, where I just keep, there's a part of it that makes me crazy. So I just keep poking and poking and poking and poking and poking at it. And it's like nobody else would have noticed that thing, but it stands out insanely to me and I can't stop poking it. And then I end up ruining the whole thing because I poked it too much. It's like, you just have to relax. <gasps> we all Cleansing have breath. to relax. Exactly. It's hard, but I think that one of the things about one of the things about the 100 day project, which I just finished, is I just got more relaxed because the first few prints were so precious, had to be so perfect, had to be so precise. And then somewhere along the way, you were like, I got stuff to do. This just has to get done. Done is better than perfect. So one of these days when we're allowed to connect again, I want to come over and see your prints. Yeah. I got a whole big basket of them. Okay. Come on over. Check out what's left. Because you've been selling a few, am I right? I have. I've been selling them where I can, and I've been sort of matting and you know them along the way and trying to scan them in. I'm actually trying to put together um, like a little self-published book of them because I think it would be nice to have all 100 in one place. Okay, so talk about how it was different and what went on, not just COVID-wise, but just in general with Make It Artsy. Um, so this was a very different season. The Because there are so few guests, the segments are usually like three to six minutes. Maybe eight is like crazy long segment. Almost everything was like 10 to 12 minutes. It's a lot wow. more time. And I don't think I totally realized how much more time it is. It's just, I mean, did I cut out for a second there? The good yes, news, the, uh, okay. the internet at my house is having a terrible day. So we'll see how this yeah, recording is. This is like the fourth or fifth time it says poor network connection. I don't think it's me. I think it's you. That's what I said. I think the internet at my house is terrible. So we'll have to be fast. Um, but what I was going to say is, so it's just, you have more time to talk about things. One of my favorite segments is Joe Rotella brought these um, bat habitats that you, that you're supposed to make um, to hang on your house to help save the bats. And... It was really interesting just to talk about uh, lots of stuff we don't normally have time for. Usually we're running through the project so fast. But just about like, what is the ecology of bats and why are bats important? And did you know that bats have belly buttons? <laughs> no. I didn't. It's a fun fact. Or, you know, the way that you have to build certain things about the house is based on the fact that bats can basically smush every bone in their body but their skulls. So as long as their skull can fit through a space, then the rest of them can fit. So you have to make things just as deep as their skull or like they actually can't fly. Like they, they can't take off from the ground. So one of the things that happens when people dump bats out of their house when they find them is they put them on the ground. Unless the bat can climb a tree, it basically will die because it can't fly. So wow. if, yeah, so what you're supposed to do is either put the bat at a base of a tree so it can climb, or if you can, put the, put the bat, they need to drop, I think it's six feet. It's actually quite far. So it's like, or you need to, when you take them out of your house, like put them on a windowsill that's up six feet up or on top of a something, you know what I mean? It's very interesting because they, and they, they just can't they have to drop in order to like swoop so so what no you're idea. saying because you have fewer guests and you're able to have longer segments you're able to get more in depth on different topics it may be yeah. that next time even if COVID is over you'll want to keep some aspect of that going because it well, seems I mean, to me I think it's more interesting good. that way to actually get some time to talk about stuff I think it also means you can do sort of bigger projects one of the things I get accused of all the time 
on the show, although it's also not untrue, is that I interrupt the guest a lot. And part of that is because when there's a really tight deadline, you're just trying to throttle people through the process, you know, to get there. And this was really a time where I felt like I could let the guest talk because Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I didn't have someone in my ear yelling, get her to the next part, get her, you know what I mean? Do whatever it is. So that was really interesting and good. Joe is a recurring guest. Did he notice any difference? Did he comment on it at all? You know, he didn't. But I will say this, which is Joe's projects are often very complicated. He uses a lot of woodworking tools and a lot of other supplies. And we often have the problem of having not enough time for his segments. We just run out of time. And this time through, we absolutely, every segment came right in on time and I think just he needs those extra like three or four minutes to get those kinds of projects done and I do think you know I did a ton of segments this time that were on drawing doodling partially because that's where my that's what I'm interested in right now you know and I think that I always try to create things based on what I'm currently interested in and maybe the reason I'm interested in that is because I have a baby so some of the artwork I'm interested in making is smaller quicker faster and I found that those segments were very hard to draw out to 12 minutes even though they take a long time, but it's repetitive things sort of over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Whereas things where you're doing multiple different steps, it makes more sense for it to fill a 12-minute segment. One of my favorite things that I did for this season, however, is we did these um, minute-and-a-half segments at the end of every single episode on color. And I made 13 zines. Um, zines are these tiny little books usually folded from a single piece of paper one for each of these 13 colors and in the books I had done um, history of each of the colors my personal associations with the colors you know pictures of things that are that color color combos you could try out you know all sorts of stuff and the books and little doodles and drawings and colors and I had colored them all and um, the blank ish version of the zine that I designed is going to be up on the Make It Artsy website so people can make their own, you know, along with it. And that to me was a really fun um, separate idea. And I learned a lot of things about colors that I didn't know. Like, did you, first of all, so many colors were toxic and poisonous. And basically, like, green apparently killed Napoleon because the walls of his house were painted green and it was um, full of uh, arsenic. And basically they believe he got stomach cancer from the walls of his house. And they also believe that Cezanne's diabetes and um, uh, Matisse's blindness, like all of those things were caused by green paint that they used because of the arsenic in it. And then uh, brown paint historically was made from something called mummia. And the reason it was called that is it was made commercially, commercially made from Egyptian mummies, from dead bodies. That's right. That was the brown paint that made all those beautiful landscapes you can think of through all of the, you know, (laughs) all of those beautiful uh, tints, tones, and shades that made the lights and the darks. That was dead people. So So no wonder in Peter Pan, the cake that Captain Hook set out for the Lost Boys that he hoped they would eat and die from was green. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder that like so many things that were green were considered poisonous and dangerous because green paint so dangerous. Who knew? Mm. I mean there's also white lead paint which has terrible stories especially of like they used basically that white lead paint on on women's skin and so that's makeup it just became worse and worse and like oh gosh I'm just so glad I mean I will say this so I've had this cough ongoing and so I bought this air filter actually recently and Steve was admonishing me because we think there might be something in my studio that's making me have this cough and he was like, I don't want you to end up having, you know, cancer or being really sick in 10 years because we didn't, you know, do something about this. And I and I was about to say, like, I'm so glad I don't live in that time period when artists get sick from their materials. But the truth of the matter is artists still get sick from materials. And they have shown, like, I took a printmaking class from a printmaker who said she wore gloves. She was only, like, maybe in her 30s. But she wore gloves every single day that she made prints because even though there's nothing in the printmaking ink that is a problem, she knew too many printers in their 60s and 70s who had become allergic 
to the paint over exposure, over a long a lifetime of exposure, you know? And there are terrible stories about oil painting artists who just from the fumes of painting oils have all sorts of respiratory issues and, you know, it goes on and on. Woodworkers with terrible lungs, even though they're wearing safety equipment and stuff from just inhaling sawdust and fumes from other things. It's, it's you forget how manual a job, I guess I would say, a lot of art is from obvious repetitive you know movement injuries all the way down to all the sort of lung diseases and stuff that you see in construction workers because you are dealing with chemicals and inhaling all these fumes and stuff and so ah, take care of yourselves you guys <clears throat> so is it installed now your filter thing yeah so the air filter is installed i've turned it off to record the podcast just because it's a little noisy i mean it's you don't hear it's like a white noise machine so i don't hear it necessarily when i'm here but i think you would hear it on the recording but yes yeah, so have you felt a physical difference well it's hard to tell because really the issue is i so i ordered it right after i so i had a negative covid test because i had a cough and i went to make sure that it wasn't covid um and once i had that i said to steve it has if it if i'm not sick and it's just a cough it has to be environmental so we ordered this filter and it came while i was away in cleveland for make it artsy and so then i noticed that i was fine on the trip to cleveland and then last night i was coughing again and i had just gotten back obviously and yesterday was the first day i spent time in my studio and he was had like, you turned it on? No, had you and he would, it no, on? it was still sitting in the front hall because I had just gotten back the day before and he hadn't set it up. And so he was like, "That's it, first thing in the morning, it's going up." So we'll see. Okay, you should keep track of this. Yes, I think it's important. So I mean, I will say that like if I use watercolor powder on Monday, I will probably blow my nose on Thursday and find some watercolor powder, which is not a good thing. So. There's I've probably, told you when I when yeah. I open a like an equal packet to put it into my coffee, I know I inhale it. Yeah. I, you can't help it. And I also Powder think it's a funny thing too, air. which is we fix this house to be super, you know, efficient and not have air leakage, and we insulated everything really well. And now, of course, that means everything is staying inside the house. Yeah. So something okay. to think about too. Anyway, all of this is to say, very interesting Make It Artsy tri uh, trip. I am so glad making the projects was exhausting. I worked seven days a week for like five weeks to try to get everything done, partially because we had so few guests. I had the 13 segments um, that were the color things, plus I had 13 10 to 15 minute segments of other projects. And that's a lot of prep because it's not just the project, it's additional samples, it's all the step outs, it's written instructions, it's, I, I ran out of time, I didn't even photograph anything because I was like, it will take me a day to photograph everything and I don't have that day. So I'll okay. photograph it when it comes back into the house. It, I've shipped the bag, so I'm waiting for it to arrive. Oh. <laughs> There's smart. my, you know, cough. Hopefully not an arsenic cough. No more green. All right. So <laughs> this, what season is it that you just filmed? Nine. Wow. I know. It doesn't feel that long, and yet it is. I mean, there were all the shows before that weren't Make It Artsy, too. It's true. What was the theme of this season nine? So the theme of this season was Shake It Up, which means that Kathy, the producer, gave me, I got to hold a maraca and shake it around. She gave me a tambourine <laughs> and I got to shake it around. So I, I always have fun when there are props to play with. So, so we're shaking it up. So basically it was like, um, you know, the theme of this episode might be your environment. So it's like, how are you taking a new look at your environment? So a project I did was um making little lamps out of with um leaf shapes in them little lampshades with these leaf shapes in them because you know it's a new way of looking at leaves and you know or i did uh, a project where it's like take a new um <clears throat> your 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 neighborhood like what's new how can you dress, shake it up in your neighborhood and so it was like oh draw a personal map 
And so it was a way of drawing a map that's not a realistic to scale map, but it's like a personal map of how you, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast how interested I was in these personal maps. So I actually made a couple now and I'm even more obsessed. I love it. I love it. They're so fun to make and they're really just interesting and I want to see other people's versions. And I just, I think the personal map is a really cool thing. And you come out with something that you, is actually frame worthy. Yeah. It's like, uh, cool. I have one of those watercolor paintings of my house that someone did. And people love to have that sort of thing. But you could also have your personal map of something hung in your house. Oh, yeah. Like, I did a map of the route that I take to get from my house to your house. And it's not a realistic map. And it's things like, this is the white house that I turn at. And here's the, you know, blue spruce that means I turn left. And there's the you know, school that I always see. And like, those are the landmarks that I remember. It's, I suppose somebody else could follow that map, but it's kind of like a treasure map to somewhere because you'd have to kind of know in order to really follow it. There was a time when you couldn't go to anywhere here in town without going past my house because that was where you knew the route from it's true and then i got gps and that was less of a problem but it's actually true like (laughs) i had to think of everything as if it started at your house because that's how i knew how to get places but i think that's actually true i mean i know i always extrapolate everything out to art making but i think it i think it works in my life because i think of everything through a lens of art but i think so often that's true of people when they start a project they have everybody you know has their ticks I always like to start with, uh, you know, a page that has just a splash of color on it. Oh, I always like to start with a layer of watercolor. Oh, I always like to start, you know, by doing this, 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 but with a layer of collage. It's like you just have your ticks of how it works for you to get into the mm-hmm. process. And that would be an interesting map. Okay. It would be like a mind map of how you see the creative process. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So many possibilities. That is good. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. It was a good trip. What's your recommendation this week? All right. So we started watching a show, which may not be for everyone. It's called Norseman, N-O-R-S-E-M-E-N. It is a Norwegian television series, but it's in English. It is on Netflix three seasons six episodes a season each episode is like half an hour i'd say it's a combination of ancient uh sort of vikings uh monty python game of thrones and the office ridiculous characters with all sorts of personality quirks a uh, combination of crazy violence, but not the kind that makes you suffer because it's so clearly fake. Uh, and interesting kind of Norse myths and anthropology and habits and quirky characters i i just i find it engaging it may not be for everyone but try it i actually had a good time watching another norwegian tv show i think i recommended it to you about people from the past who came into the present through some there's always a rip in the time there's always a time fabric of space what can i say And uh, this show is uh, engaging to me. So, Norseman, give it a try. If that sounds like your cup of tea, don't if you absolutely can't stand it. Okay, so my recommendation is an app. Um, It's called Daily Art. And I've only just started, but basically there's a free and a premium, and I just have the free account. And basically it uh, gives you... Uh, a piece of art a day which I think is really cool and so for instance today it gives you well it gives you so here's there's like a picture of the piece of art and then there's information about it so today's is 
The Dance of Time, Three Nymphs Supporting a Clock by Claude Michel called Clodion. This is from 1788, and it starts to describe it. We continue our special month with the Frick Collection with this amazing clock, which is also the only known 18th century clock that features terracotta, not as a sketch medium, but as a finished sculpture. And it goes down all about how the clockmaker worked with the artist, how it happened, you know, and a little bit about the history of it. I've seen some very famous paintings on there. I've seen some paintings that I've never heard of, you know, and I think it's a nice, um, it's a nice mixture of sort of things you know and things you don't. And it, the idea is that every day it can either, either it will send you like a little alert to let you know that it's time to look up your daily art or you can just check in with the app every day. But it's a free way to get exposure when you're not going to museums and stuff right now, I would assume, to get a little daily bit of I was gonna say, daily it's bit of the serendipity, serendipity of turning the corner in a museum and seeing something you've never seen before. I actually have an app that's called Poem A Day. And every day I get a poem and some information about the writer and uh, some of it's to my taste and some of it isn't, but it just means each day I have a moment where I'm thinking about something that isn't uh, or, you know, my, my task list. And uh, I find it refreshing. Okay. I suppose that could be another recommendation. Well, you've blown it. Now it's already on this one. Now you've done two recommendations. Too bad. <laughs> Um, so, it up. <laughs> um, as always, you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs. And mom and I are always happy to hear from you. So please do send us an email or leave us a comment. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or mention us on Facebook or Instagram because that's what helps other people find the show. So before I go, I just want to mention I'm doing a live event for Sewing Machines Plus to talk about the new scan and cut things that came out this season on August 14 and 15. So you can find that on their Facebook page. So just check that out. And um, thanks so much. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.